not only do you want to leave a good job, because it's all your the clients remember you by, but you just want to make people proud. Welcome back to the Glasgow podcast, everyone, and I thank you again for listening in. Again, we're taking a, a different journey today, career-wise. We're entering the, the world of civil engineering. I've got on with me today the managing director and owner of Megatech Projects, George Rowe. George, how are you? I'm doing fine, Gary. Thanks. How are you? Yeah, I'm good, mate. I'm good. Um, you've been a very popular person to get on the show. I've, I've actually had a few messages putting your name out there so you're you're doing right things whatever you're doing at the moment <laughs> I find that hard to believe civil engineering it's it's a massive massive market you your own company now has been running for 10 years um, or just over 10 years now for yourself obviously the the question that I had and it's a question that's come in from a few people as well what kind of what prompted you to start out yourself, and what were you what were you doing up to that point of kind of deciding to, to go and start your own business? Uh, first of all, Gary, civil engineering sounds very technical, and and people think of civil engineers when they think of civil engineering. I'm not a civil engineer. Mm-hmm. Civil engineers or engineers are very gift technical, uh, detailed guys. I'm actually a charter surveyor, mm-hmm. so I'm. Civil engineers will tell you I'm a failed engineer, but it's so I've I've always dealt with companies and dealt with the money side of things and the contractual side. But I don't, a bit like some of the guys I've listened to in your previous podcast, you don't set out when I set this company up. When I left school at sixteen, I did not think in thirty years time or twenty years time I'd set up a company that made railway station platforms from polystyrene. Mm-hmm. I would never even dreamt of it. I wouldn't have known I became a charter surveyor at that time. Very, very briefly, I, when I left school, I was playing football and uh, I got the chance to join a team called Clay Bank, who mm-hmm. were part-time professional, a mixture of part-time and full-time mm-hmm. professional at that time. But I'd started my professional training as a trainee quantity surveyor with a company called Tarmac. So when the opportunity came to join Clay Bank, I had a chance of going full-time with guys at that time, like Owen Coyo, uh, John Davis, Paul Harvey, Sean Sweeney. Mm-hmm. Or, or part-time, some of the guys, guys like Ken Ede, uh, Big Jim Roger. These are for older guys, don't know who I'm talking about, but mm-hmm. I decided to stay part-time and do my professional training. So I've done that, continued playing football through the career, always part-time, done that for about 17 years. And... But chartered, worked as a commercial director for a railway company, blah, blah, blah. Down the line, I got to the stage where I got wind of this unique system that had been used elsewhere in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I thought, as a non-technical guy, it looks straightforward. I'm going to give it a bash. Mm-hmm. Up to that point, Gary, everybody I'd worked for, I'd always made them money. But I didn't. I didn't actually build anything. This just sounds weird. Mm-hmm. But a lot of the guys you've got on, they, they produce something. You've got the boys for Box Fresh who, who they produce something. You can see a before and after mm-hmm. product. You've got the K9 Way guys who go and you can see the before and after. I didn't. Mm-hmm. I just made people money. My old man, my old man used to work for a company called George Leslie. And I used to drive around and my boys would be saying to me, 
Dad, see that footbridge there? Grander built it. See that uh, mobile fast, mobile phone mast? Grander built it. Because mm-hmm. my dad worked in civil engineering. Mm-hmm. But I never actually built anything. So I set my company up, Megatech, just over 10 years ago. Actually, just over 11 years ago now. Gave me the opportunity to build something. Mm-hmm. And it's the old phrase about, I want to leave something behind. Yeah. So as well as going out and working for myself, Gary, I had the opportunity to actually build something, produce yeah. something, and leave something behind. And now, I love nothing better than driving around and people say, or I can say, I built that. I built that. You're actually producing something. So that was a big, big factor in saying the company up 10 years ago. Yeah, you've got a kind of, it's a legacy then, as you, you kind of touched on there. You're saying legacy, aye, but people can leave legacies without actually building things. Yeah, yeah, but, true. But aye, it's, 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 something, it's something physical that you can see. Mm-hmm. And if years to come, if my boys, boys are, are going around telling, now telling their parents that, see that railway station platform, see that railway station platform there, grand about it, then mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll be quite happy. Yeah. And obviously, from, from going from that idea of, of wanting to get Megatech launched, what what were your kind of main challenges in getting yourself out there? And it's something that Craig Swan had, had sent in a question asking a kind of similar question of how do you how did you make your route to to a market that's just consumed by concrete? And it's obviously a completely, as you say, it's a it's a concept that's totally different. What were your main challenges in getting that into that market? It's brilliant. It's, I don't know who's saying that question in you say there, but but that is anybody who brings out a new product that's new or innovative. The biggest challenge they've got is convincing people that it will work mm-hmm. compared to the the old tried and tested ways of doing things. Yeah. And when I first set it up, I mean, I must have that making railway station platforms out of polystyrene. It sounds stupid. Polystyrene is what you get to pack your TV boxes when it comes. <laughs> no, that's, that's what yeah. people think. Yeah. So the first challenge is showing people that it actually works. It could actually do what it's meant to do. Mm. Or it can achieve all the things they're wanting it to achieve. That's the first part. Then you've actually got to physically demonstrate to the people who approve it. So no matter, I mean, I just listen, currently we've been through COVID, obviously, and you've got these vaccines coming out. Mm-hmm. It's all right somebody putting their hand up and saying, oh, we've got a product here that will do what you want it to do. But the people who approve it will then say, well, you need to prove that it does everything we want it to do. Yeah. So I had to do that. I had to get through with specialists in the field, guys like Exola, Warrington, Fryer, to demonstrate that our system would comply with all the network rail standards, all the European codes and all the British standards. But these are the same way. It does sound technical, but it's the same with anybody. Before you get any new product approved, you've got to demonstrate that it does what you, you say it's meant to do. Mm-hmm. So that was the first one. That was the first challenge. You get that done, then you prove it to Network Rail, who are my approval body, and then they say, right, that's it, we approve it. But that then, Gary, the same way. That stage was the easiest stage. Mm-hmm. The next stage then, I'll, I'll say it with anybody who's got a new product is, getting somebody with the balls to use it for the first time. Yeah. That's the major thing. It's Luckily, I found somebody. We'd done a station down in Peterborough. Mm-hmm. 
where the guy there, I don't know if he's a technical term, but the main guy there gave us an opportunity. Mm-hmm. We done it. We showed that it could do what they wanted it to do. And that was great. Once somebody's at the balls, they put their name to it. Mm-hmm. Once you show that it works, you find other people then jumping in the bandwagon. And, I mean, go back to Box Fresh. I remember a guy saying there that he, he'd done these first things, a pair of Puma trainers for his mate. Mm-hmm. And then when he actually shows what he can do, his mate tells his mate, who tells their mates, who tells... And that's how it works. Yeah. We're, we're 10 years down the line, but we're still telling our mates, 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 and getting the message out there. Mm-hmm. And see, when you... See, at that stage when you were trying to obviously get that that first person to, to take a chance on it, was there a lot of people who were maybe kind of dismissive of the, the concept that you were bringing, or was it all positive towards you at that point? It's not, certainly not all positive, because it's a new product, mm-hmm. and it's very dismissive. No, but again, it's... I remember a guy told me, it's going back to... It was Amstrad. It's the IBM Amstrad. Years mm-hmm. ago, IBM made all the computers, mm-hmm. and then Amstrad came out and said, actually, we can do everything IBM do, but Ours are much cheaper. Yeah. And you're like, oh, you're right, very good, but who's going to take that chance first? And when you're going to somebody and say to them, ours is better, quicker, cheaper, but does everything you want it to do, they've probably heard the whole before. Mm-hmm. So they're, 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 not, they're not negative. I'd probably say they're a wee bit sceptical. That's what I'd probably say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, just more of that kind of unsure about how it's going to work and, and what benefit it's going to aye. have. Aye, yeah. aye. And obviously, at that point, once you've got the the station in Peterborough that took the kind of the gamble as such, or took the chance to to see what the the work could do, how did you then move from that to building Megatech reputation wise and keeping that momentum going? It's funny, Gary. Again, everybody who talks rep, reputation reputation comes down to I reckon probably two main things. One one is how you deal with people. Mm-hmm how you deal with people, that affects your reputation. And the other the other one is quality. Mm-hmm. So it, it doesn't matter how cheap you are, how dear you are, how quick you are, how slow you are. When you finish and you leave, all you're remembered by is the quality of the product, whether it's the fresh trainers, whether it's a restaurant and you're putting out a lovely meal. It doesn't matter what the price is. When you go away, people remember the quality. So... Quality, first of all, no matter what you were doing, we made sure when we left it, it was left right. Mm-hmm. And the other one is deal with people. I'm telling you, mate, what real approved their system. I can tell you every individual involved in it mm-hmm. because I dealt with them. When I'm doing work with a client or we're dealing with our supply chain, I deal with the individuals. It's people you deal with, not the company or the name. Yeah, you're just, it's, it's rather than that kind of faceless corporation type of thing. Ah, yes, it certainly is. It. So building a reputation is build relationships with people. Mm-hmm. People people don't let people down. If I'm doing, if I'm running for a train, the train's late, I blame ScotRail or whatever. Well, no, see if you know that driver and you know him personally, that driver has let you down. Mm-hmm. And it's deal with people. When I'm dealing with people, if somebody gives them, see me, if somebody puts their trust in you to deliver something, you're not going to let them down. Mm-hmm. And also, when it's finished, and I say this to your guys all the time, if you ever do a job and when you finish, you say it will do, 
it's not good enough. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough. You've got to leave that the best you can possibly leave it because that's how you'll be remembered. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And see from, I know you you touched on it there, you've obviously, you, you had a, a long career playing football as well and to go from, from that into having your own business, was there any kind of skills or, or qualities that you transferred from your playing days into the business world or anything that, that was easily transferable for you? It's anybody who plays in a team, whether you're your local Sunday team or Rangers or Celtic or even Scotland, it's, if you're part of a team, you realise that no matter how good or bad you think you are, the team can't succeed without you doing your bit. Mm-hmm. And that's it. When you go out, make a take, I might have started it, but where it is now, it's not down to me. It's down to everybody involved in it. And again, Gary, some back, you know, when you're doing your, your other work or you're doing this podcast, it's there's a lot of work involved in it. There's a lot of people involved in it. And without everybody playing their part, then you can't achieve it. Mm-hmm. So business is very much a team game. Mm-hmm. Whether, and it's appreciating the part that every person plays in it. And that's and that's what we're obviously we're good at, but we enjoy it. We mm. know how important everybody is. Everybody is, and that's it. That whole concept of a cog in a chain, or a I don't know what you would call it, but just being one wee part of a big thing, mm-hmm. without a doubt, that the whole football bit does go over. Also, I've had a very successful football career. I had so mm-hmm. you've got to you've got to be used to disappointment as well. Mm-hmm. And business, especially when you're developing a new product, it's no plain sailing. You're going to have setbacks. You're going to have knockbacks. But you get up and you're on you. Yeah. But, but, well, probably the biggest thing, Gary, I would say is that in football, playing 17 years, I played part-time. You, wouldn't, you don't do that without commitment, dedication and hard work. And probably all the guys you've been speaking to with our businesses, They'll tell you the same. It it doesn't come easy. There's you've got to have commitment, dedication, and hard work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and you've obviously when you when you were playing part time, you're still combining that with jobs, etc., as well, and and still having to put that commitment into both at that point. Well, the perfect example when I was the company I worked for, they used to send us to college in Croydon, mm-hmm. which is South London. Now I was working at Coolport at the time. I was down in college in Croydon and Clybank had a good Scottish Cup run. Remember this? My dates are terrible. But we had a good Scottish Cup run. So we were playing, I think we got to the semi-final and played Celtic way back when guys like Peter Grant and Jack Jackinovsky and all that were mm-hmm. playing. Yeah. Andy Walker. Well, we, and the rounds up that, we were playing St Mirren in the days when Paul Lambert and guys like that played with St Mirren. Mm-hmm. I, was, I was down at college in London I was flying up in the afternoon, getting picked up at Glasgow Airport, going and playing the game at Love Street as it was at that time. Getting after the game, getting back to Central, jumping on the overnight train, the Caledonian Express, whatever they call it. Mm-hmm. Back down to London, half six in the morning, going straight to college and getting on my day's college work. So that way, the football didn't interfere with my work and my work didn't interfere with the football. So, again, there's a lot about that's People say, oh, there's a lot in that. But see when you're doing something you love or you're doing two things that you love, mm-hmm. 
very simple. It's very easy. Yeah, that's that's what I was going to ask. As you were you were talking about that there, did you did you find it easier because you had passion for both of them and it, and it wasn't a chore as such to do either? It's not. So if you if you do the job you love, you'll never work a day in your life. It's mm-hmm. a well known saying. But when I was playing football, everybody plays a sport, whether it's golf, rugby, football, tiddlywinks, whatever. We've all got something that gets it away from the the tribulations of daily life. Mm-hmm. I love, I've always loved playing football. I was getting paid to do what I loved doing. Yeah. And it was the one thing I always remembered all the way through my career, whether it was from Clydebank to Queen of the South or Broth, whatever, still in Albion. It was people were paying to come and watch you playing football. Mm-hmm. People work hard to pay you to come. And I was getting paid to do something I loved. So that... It didn't matter the level, it didn't matter where we were playing or when we were playing, I loved it. Yeah. And my work, I always seen my work as something new every day. Mm-hmm. I'm working at places like Fasley and Coolport, I way down to Kent to work in a power station, I'm working in Leeds. I loved it, mm-hmm. just loved doing it. So, managing to come, even then when I was working in Leeds, I'd find a local part-time team, Farsley Celtic, Geisley, mm-hmm. and I'd go and train with them. I'd go and train with them during the week. Back up at that time, it was Queen of the South and play with Queen of the South. So it's, it's, I mean, you're out meeting people, you're meeting new people all the time, and who wouldn't love it? Yeah, no, it's just loving the dream, isn't it? It's, it's just the uh, every <laughs> young guy's dream. I, you hear the teams, I say Queen of the South and Clyde Bank. We were living the dream, well, but it was, I loved it. I loved it. I, I think, as you say, but any, I think anybody at any level of football, if, you, if you're at that stage where you're whether you're part time or, or whatever you're doing, if you're getting paid to play, that's the it's it's a, just life goals for people. I mean, my my football hero played for Clyde Bank, David Cooper. Um, so yeah, I always remember that name. So you, you know, it's just things like that. But no, I think it's I, I well, that is, and he's he's one of my heroes as well. Unfortunately, he was there before and then went back after I left. They wanted to see him again, and he made sure I was away before he was back. <laughs> but well, for, for, there, there's another one. You've got David Cooper. When I was at Queen of the South, I played with a guy called Henry Templeton. Mm-hmm. Now, Henry's boy is David Templeman. Right. The boy who played with Rangers and Hamilton, and mm-hmm. I think it was Hearts and Stenhouse Moor. Mm-hmm. But when he was born, he was called after David Cooper. Uh... And I, I actually think, I'm, I'm not certain here, but I think his middle name might be David Cooper Templeton. I think it is, aye, I think you're right. I'm aye, sure it's all these wee things that go around and come around. I remember playing Clyde Bank, no, sorry, Queen of South, we played Strenoir one time. And in our team at uh, Queen of South, there was a young boy called John McCaig. Mm-hmm. Well, we also had a boy called Tommy Bryce. Right. Tommy Bryce played with Tommy Bryce is in the Guinness Book of Records for the fastest ever hat-trick. I think he scored a hat-trick in under three minutes, one time. <laughs> wow. Anyway, but, but Tommy was playing, and he says to the four games, he says, you know something, I'm playing with young John McCaig, he says, and I used to play with his old man. So he'd went full circle as well. He'd actually played with father and son at different times in his career. Love that. Love that. It's, it's, it's all the best stories you around. You've just mm-hmm. mentioned David Cooper there. Unfortunately, I missed him. I missed him at Clyde Bank, but well, that's one thing I'd love to have played with him. Ah, uh, sir. Footballing God in my eyes. Yeah. Um, no, definitely. A question that I had, and again, I'll, I'll combine it um, with, with a question that came in from someone else. Obviously, 
you've been running the business since 2009 and the thing that I always ask people when they're on, everybody looks for the the end product and the brilliant stories that come with having your own business but what I always ask is what was the kind of low points for you and was there any real struggles and it links into one of the questions that came in from Paul Bain um, and he'd said what was the the biggest mistake you made and what did you learn from it so I suppose they both kind of tie in with each other if there's anything you, you comes to mind for you well, one thing I definitely know is when it's your own business and you are responsible for everything mm-hmm. the highs are much higher the lows are much lower yeah. I mean the, the lows are the are where you've, you've developed something you're, you're, before you've got it approved you've been dealing you find the right person to deal with you've every lesson and then you hear nothing for months and then when you finally get a hold of them they just turn around and say oh sorry I'm not dealing with that anymore and you're like well who am I dealing with like, I don't know That that's a low that's what you think oh, I'm back to square one again I'm back to I mean the lows the lows are we're on a job on East Coast Main Line we were doing a job at a place called New York Northgate. So we do in England mm-hmm. and the East Coast Main Line. Now, Gary, we only get well, because of how busy the train is there, we only get six hours a week working on a Saturday night. Right. So in six hours, we've got to go in and hammer it, mm-hmm. do as much as we can and get back out. This Saturday night we were in, the we've got all this plan. It's like big machines that go on a track. You've got telehandlers, which are big telescopic forklifts, you've mm-hmm. got wee diggers, you've got everything going. This night the telehandler, the forklift, got a puncture. The track, the, the sort of the tracks that get around on the mini digger came off and there was a cable that nobody knew was there and didn't show up and we'd done the scans, somebody hit it. Now this is this is all happening and we've got three hours to go on a mm-hmm. Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And on the East Coast main line, if you don't finish when you're meant to finish you get major major penalties because right. it costs a fortune money mm-hmm. and i must admit when at that stage and it's battering in the rain it's freezing you're thinking that i might as well just shut the door just now mm-hmm. but you get guys working with you who are experiencing what they do the functions repaired the tracks put back in the mini dig you have guys on standby just in case these things happen the cable sorted everything's checked it's back to normal and we finish. Now, that night, I was just, it was relief, but it was actually the fact, you know, you know what, you employ the good guys, the guys who know what they're doing, just in case things like this happen. Mm-hmm. But honestly, that night, I could have shut the show up there and then. Mm-hmm. That's the biggest thing. So, it was a real low, but the highs are much higher. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, it's quality. One of the ones that springs to mind just when you're saying it is, Talk about leaving something behind about, well, not about, four, four years ago, my mum died. Mum died from cancer, mm-hmm. uh, 8th of November, so just over four years ago. And we were then doing the biggest job I've ever done, a station called Bath Spa, mm-hmm. down in Bath, obviously. It was the following March, we put a lot of work into it. And for us, Gary, it was the biggest job I've ever, probably the biggest job I've ever done, might be the biggest job we will ever do. Yeah. It was 16 days solid. When I say solid, I mean 24 hours a yeah, day. constant. And the value of the job was, well, over £4 million. So we're doing over £4 million in two weeks. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And the preparation, with 150 guys working with us, preparation, planning, everything great. 
but you still have problems. You yeah. still have problems, but, but that's why you have the good guys working with you. Mm-hmm. So we deal with all, and I must admit, on the Monday morning after the 16 days, when the first train went in, I was walking along with James, my brother, mm-hmm. who worked with us at the time, and the two of us had a tear in my eye. And it was, all I'm thinking is that I hope my mum's proud. Yeah. That's that. And it's, you're talking about that, that it's an inspiration or whatever else. That's all you want. Not only do you want to leave a good job, because it's all your, the clients remember you by, but mm-hmm. you just want to make people proud. Yeah. And that that was a major thing. That just, again, that lasted three things, and then you're thinking, right, what's the next job? What's on to the next, on to the next game? Yeah. So it's quite a defining moment as well. And then, as, as you say, do you think that's then just the the way you are that you do, you do then just kind of put that to one side and, and go right into the next challenge right away? You have to. Mm-hmm. You, mainly because you, you don't get time not to. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, we always, so when we celebration after every job, I mean, my company, it's very much a family company. It's mm-hmm. my boys work with us, my nephew, my niece. But the only member of our direct employee of our company is a guy called Stevie Marlin. Mm-hmm. But Stevie is effectively family. He's been my mate for over 30 years. He's played with just about every football team I've played with. Yeah. And I think he's, Stevie's boy plays with him just now. But that's Stevie is family. So it's all family. Mm-hmm. So when we finish a job, I'll just finish one down in Devon, a place called Limston Commando. Mm-hmm. Just finish that. We just, we just take a wee night or end it, have a wee drink and think you know what we've done well but that's it the next day it's on to the next one yeah you move on right away and do you do the same see with the obviously you, d- you described that one as a, a massive low when you had the the short time scale to get things done are you do you analyze those points or do you still just part them and, and just go onwards and upwards from it no you, the, we always have a well our lessons learned they've got these fancy terms mm-hmm. but you, you, you work on you work on what 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 went on there. Did we did we compensate? Did we have continuities in place that were sufficient? What can we do better next time? Because mm-hmm. no, so honestly, no matter what job you're in, you think you've covered every base, and it could be the most stupid thing that jumps up and bites you in the bum. So you're all, always learning. I mean, now we've done over seventy platforms, and we still certainly anywhere near it. We do not know everything mm-hmm. we're always learning always double checking always triple checking yeah and the thing that I'm curious about and I've asked a couple of people that have been on and kind of much the same situation as yourself how do you find it when the, the business is predominantly family from a working point of view is it something that you enjoy or does it come with its kind of pros and cons I think everybody will tell you or some folks say never work with family mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't work with anything else. Mm-hmm. It's maybe, maybe it's just my family. Yeah. And it, I'm not just talking about my immediate family, I'm talking about extended family. It's it's personal, yeah. Gary. It's 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 I mean Stevie's doing there, Stevie's a real quality man. When I job finished, nobody leaves until he's happy with it. Mm-hmm. And we never it doesn't matter how long we're there for, it's never left until he's happy with it. Mm-hmm. And that is personal. And it's not because he gets a wage or whatever else. It's because it's personal. Yeah. And the same with James, Rebecca, Martin and Logan who do stuff with us. It's it's personal. Mm-hmm. And it's not a case of they're letting 
their dad down or their uncle down. It's it's their name. It's Roe. Everybody knows the name that's associated with the company. So it must have been, I, I think it would struggle to, to work with anybody else who isn't family. Yeah, yeah. after being in the situation you've got. Um, obviously, you, you, you've been in business for, for such a long time now. Even going back to, it could be from the start or it could be from, from any point really, but is there any any bits of advice that, that you were given that have kind of stuck with you and you would still use just now? Pro- you know, pro- probably no advice. Probably no advice because I think people realise you don't get anywhere without the hard work as we said earlier. Yeah. But I would maybe say it's the biggest thing that stands out is you can't get anywhere without people helping you. Mm-hmm. And every stage I've been at, people have helped me. Not not because there was a some benefit in it for them. They helped me, Gary, because they could help me. Mm-hmm. Used to, I used to go, and, I didn't even know if I would go and have meetings with Network Rail and the, the people there, the reception, the new room would say, go and use that office for an hour in advance and then meet them. Mm-hmm. That's just a stupid wee simple thing, but it meant a lot to me. Yeah, It's... And so many people along my way have helped and continue to help me. And that's the big... So now, I don't do it because people have done it for me. Mm-hmm. I, I do it because I can. If I can help anyone with anything, I will. But I think most decent people are like that anyway. Yeah. But there's never been any sound words of wisdom. Well, maybe not. I worked with a company called Land Engineering years ago, and... The guy that owned that, the guy called Davy Sullivan, mm-hmm. I remember he said actually that if you leave a good job, 80% of the time you'll get what you're due. So that always sticks in my head, but that goes back to what I've said to you about quality. Mm-hmm. You, you remember for the quality of your product. Yeah, rather than anything else. No. And see on that as well, obviously not as, not as much advice, but even from the point of view of, for anybody listening in who may not be the same field but might be looking to start a business or they're, they're kind of toying with the idea of doing it. Is there anything you would say to people in that position based on your own experiences? Uh, following up, I met, I met a boy recently, a, a boy called Andy Webster. Mm-hmm. Some people remember him. I used to play football with, Webby with Andy Webster when he was a broth as a boy. And he wanted to play with Wigan, Rangers. I think he played about 20 odd times with Scotland. Aye, same but back, Big centre half uh, eye, and he's he's now he's now involved in the coaching at St Mirren, mm-hmm. but very very clever guy. He's done all his masters and whatever else after football as well. And he was, I was just playing my way, talking to him. And he's like, How? and what came out of it was, it's the biggest thing is networking, mm-hmm. and and never miss an opportunity. Now networking, I'm not talking about or oh, some professional body or the Institute of hairdressers have got a do in Glasgow so I don't mean that mm-hmm. I'm talking about if you're in the pub and your mate's got a boy there you've never met talk to him yeah. I'm talking about if if your your cousin's wedding and you're sitting at a table with some people you don't know talk to them mm-hmm. that to me is networking or some people may just call it socialising yeah. that, that's probably the right it's socialise honestly you never you never know who you're talking to or this, the, where a throwaway word or a throwaway line could lead to something. Mm-hmm. That's all I'd say. Just, 
And to some people that comes naturally. To some people that comes, I went to a do in Glasgow one time, something. Honestly, I'm in there at the beginning when I was there myself from our company. I was talking away to some people. And I was talking to a girl, Gary, and she says to me, our company send us on courses and how to break the ice with people. Mm-hmm. I'm like, you what? <laughs> Surely. Now again, all right, fair enough, somebody's identified you've got to break the ice. Yeah. And, but I can't believe that that. Do it all the time. If you're sitting at a table, just talk to people. Yeah, exactly. Talk about talk about the weather if you want to. Talk about where are you from or how do you know such and such. But never miss an opportunity mm-hmm. because you never know that the most stupid throw away like oh I've been looking for somebody to who does green flowers uh, at a fit or I, know, I want somebody who does a pink something up and oh I, I, actually I know somebody mm-hmm. and that's that's how things happen so I just network or socialise or talk and never miss an opportunity mm-hmm. no I, I think that's really sound advice for anybody um, and it's just as simple as you say just sitting down and having a chat with somebody that you've maybe not spoken to before because you don't know what will come off the back yet you don't know many times you've done it many times you've yeah. been somewhere you're sitting at a table with somebody you don't know you start talking to them and before you know it you know somebody that they know the ice is broken mm-hmm. and it leads on you know, what do you do what do you do oh, I'll tell you this we, we always do we used to, I don't know years ago in the town the big thing was the you know, the celebrity boxing. Yeah. Uh-huh. All these people were fighting. So I used to go, I used to get my mates and we'd been in town and I, I just started a business up and everything. But I mean, if you're out in the town and you're talking to somebody and they ask you for your own business, the last thing you want to say is, I have got a, I've got a real way coming and make platforms with polystyrene. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. people come up, oh, your own business. I would say to them, oh, yeah, I clean the cat's eyes in the middle of the road. I like, you what? I said, do you? And I'll turn to my mate Neil. I say, Neil, tell Brian what do I do? He cleans the cat's eye in the middle of the road. But anyway, I was at a celebrity boxing one night. I think it was down in the Marriott. And we went back to one up or something after. Mm-hmm. It was a Sunday night, Gary. So 90% of the people in the do had been to the boxing. Mm-hmm. But one of the boys I knew was there. And there was a girl with him. Mm-hmm. We started talking. And I said, what do you do? And she says, yeah, oh, I'm, a, I'm a designer. We're actually got a framework contract for Network Rail just now to design 12 railway station platform extensions all the way down the West Coast mainly. Mm-hmm. I'm like, no chance. <laughs> I says, that, that's what I do. I says, I've just started up this company, Innovation. I've got, we made railway station platforms from Paula Stein. Mm-hmm. She's like, aye, right, very good. I'm saying to my mate, Neil, Neil, tell, tell Jean what do I do? He cleans the car side <laughs> the There you go. That just, na- that just nattered me completely. And uh, she went, aye, right. I said, no, seriously, I do. So maybe another wee tip there when you're talking about networking and talk to people is always tell the truth because you never know where that'll come in. Yeah, exactly. And did she end up believing you or what happened there? Aye, she did believe me. I never get any work out of it, but she believed me, aye. <laughs> oh, brilliant. And the thing that I was curious about obviously given your your line of work and the the businesses you've got and it is innovative and it, and it was different who are your own inspirations be it in a business world or, or any kind of sector to be honest is, is there anybody that you feel inspired by uh, well i'll go back i just say to you it's my parents my mm-hmm. parents is 
that's one one for, and that's not just oh say the right thing. It's, yeah. I told you my my dad's worked in construction. He's physically worked. He's been all the way through working to a works manager, foreman, and physically worked all his life. So and somebody who's out the house at six in the morning and no back in at six at night. So that's an inspiration. That's that work mentality. Mm-hmm. My mum, my mum ran our house. I had two brothers, so there's three boys. My dad in the house and. My mum ran the house, and I told you when we'd done the job in Bath Spa after yeah. she died, that still inspires me. Mm-hmm. It still inspires me, everything we do, whether it's the stuff we do with charity, whether it's the stuff we do with work, whether it's whether it's what I do in my life. She's just think, I hope I've made her proud. And so that inspires me. But there's one guy, one guy does stick out. I'll see if you, how good your memory is now. <laughs> a way way back, when, when Rangers, when Graham Soonis came to Rangers, yep. There was a famous photograph, Gary, and it was a guy called David Holmes. Mm-hmm. It was Graham Soonis and another guy. And the other guy's name was Freddie Fletcher. Now, Freddie Fletcher, she's not even known, but please find out who this guy is. Mm-hmm. My mate, two mates of mine, Des McEwen and Adrian McKenna, yep. run professional office supplies, mates forever. And they were down doing business in Newcastle one time. And Des says to me, George, is this guy Freddie Fletcher? Once to meet you. I'm like, who's that? I know that name. Mm-hmm. He says, he was a guy, Rangers, he's at Newcastle now, he wants to meet you. Now, I was wee George Rose, trying to set up a business. Now, what's Freddie Fletcher want to see me for? Mm-hmm. So, I, I just, I didn't either. I just ignored it. And then, two weeks later, Des again, I'm saying, George, he's been chasing up, he's wanting to meet you. Mm-hmm. I went, are you all right then? I said, so I was going to do the Sanders said we'd done my first ever trial station down in London. Mm-hmm. And I thought, right, I'll arrange to go and see him. So I spoke to his PA and all that and arranged the meeting. But Des had said to me, Gary, he says, he says, George, he's a pure name dropper. Mm-hmm. He says, but he knows them all. Right. He says, I'm talking, and I'm talking about Pelly, the Queen, Ronald Reagan. He says, he knows, he's got pictures of them all in his office on the walls and everything mm-hmm. with him. Aye. And I'm thinking, what's he going to speak to me for? <laughs> So I swear, this is his own website. So you go on Freddie Fletch and it tells you all about him and all these pictures. Well, I was driving down there. I was driving down to meet him across the 69 to Newcastle. Mm-hmm. And I happened to be talking, just catching up with a big mate. I mean, a guy called Stuart McDonald. Stuart lives and works in Manchester, but he's from Greenock originally. Right. And uh, I'm driving down and she's already off to the day. So I'm heading down to London, but I'm... I'm over in Newcastle to meet this guy. I says, Freddie Fletcher. He went, see if you agree not. I went, well, funnily enough, he is. Aye, that's where he started. He was on the board at Morton, and then he went to Rangers. He went, George, I know him. He says, he used to go to school with my mum. He says, and he used to have a shop, I'm going to say Bogdan or something, but some part of Greenock where he used to cash the guy's gyros. Right. He says, he used to cash the guy's gyros for him. I went, no way, he says, it's the same guy. So I get down to Newcastle and in to see Freddie. His PA takes us in and I meet him and all that. Mm-hmm. And he's saying to me, George, how you doing? Great to meet you. Come on in. And uh, he says, what we'll do is I'll tell you a wee bit about me. You tell me a wee bit about you. Mm-hmm. And then I'll tell you why I'm wanting to meet you. I said, fair enough, Freddie. Now, Gary, this guy was about 70 yeah. at this time. So he says, tell me all, I was the youngest ever non-Labour member of the council at 
and down in Greenock. I was on the board at Morton. I went to Rangers. I was the first non-millionaire director at Ibrox. I went to Newcastle. He was the guy that brought Shearer and Keegan there. Ah, he's the guy right, okay. he's the guy that, Freddie Shepherd as well, was he? He worked, Newcastle with, he worked okay. with No, he actually worked with us. People get a mix up. He worked with Sir John Hall. Right. Freddie Foy. Right. And he's the one that extended the stadium. And right. So he's very well known. Yeah. Right. So I'm saying to him, he says, there's a picture of me with a queen and there's a picture of me with a pope and there's a picture of me with <laughs> Pelly. And I'm like, look, Freddie, I'm only funny. I says, I can find all that out by looking at your website. Mm-hmm. I says, I'm interested in the fact that you went to school with wee Jeannie Smith I says, and you used to cash your boy's gyros for him mm-hmm. up in your shop in Bogdan or whatever in, in Greenock. Mm-hmm. He's like, how, he said, how, do, how do you know that? How do you know that? I said, well, I'm making my business to do my homework when people are coming to me. Yeah. Gary, I swear to God, it was pure luck on the way down. So he thought this for a while. I'm talking away to him. And I'm saying to him, Freddie, I'm not being funny, but what, what bring your office? What, what, do you, what do you want to see me for? Mm-hmm. What he'd done, he's actually set a, some security thing up with, I'm going to say somebody like Sir John Stevens, right. who was the ex-Northern Ireland commissioner and head of the Metropolitan Police or something. Mm-hmm. He'd set this up and he says, when you're in dealing with your business in the railway, you're dealing with all the main contractors, mm-hmm. Balfour, BT, Morgan, Sindo, Carillion, all these guys. All I want you to do is mention our company when you're in there. Right. And I'm like, but... I would do that anyway. If, now, if I'm if I'm doing there and somebody says to me, "Bugs oh, one running wild," I would say, oh, "Speak to John at K9 Way." Mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's it's you tell people what what you would do anyway. Yeah. yeah. I said so. I said well, that's what I'm after. So right, I'm away from I kept in touch with a guy, and what an inspiration, Gary. Now, this guy was seventy, mm-hmm. and he's zest for life. He's 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 willingness to still take on a new challenge and he'd obviously been very successful through his life Yeah. and then I went down I heard he was dying from cancer so I phoned him again and I went to visit him mm-hmm. I went to visit him down just outside Newcastle yeah. and I went to visit him and it was weird I was going to visit him knowing and it's the first time this has ever happened at that point it had ever happened in my life I was going to visit him knowing it's the last time I would see him alive yeah. so I didn't know how I'd feel so I went to see him and he was still, he was in his house with his wife, and he was still full of his, his usual pattern or having mm-hmm. a laugh. And when I left, I didn't feel sad. I felt, I'm not rejuvenated, I don't know if that's the right word, but I felt, that's a guy who could easily have taken it easy for the last 10, 15 years, but he still got such a zest for life and mm-hmm. wants to take on board a new challenge. And that's the one guy that I took a lot of inspiration from. Yeah. And again, another guy who's been through his challenges his life as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so, he's going to feel to be Freddie Fletcher, Freddie Fletcher, if anybody listens, go and look that guy up. Mm-hmm. He was some man, he was some man. Yes, and it, it, I, even just listening to that wee bit there that you've gave it, you, you couldn't feel to be inspired by somebody like that. That's, that's incredible. No, but, but he's, he must have been he must have been early 70s when he died. But, mm-hmm. no, I mean, he's just... And he loved meeting people. He loved telling his stories. He was telling me a story about, I'm not being funny, but he was saying to me, oh, you know, we, Dick McClumford. And I'm like, no, who's Dick McClumford? Mm-hmm. He was the head of the SES. He was the head of the SES when, when the Iranian embassy siege. 
No, I will play it. How am I meant to know Dick McCall? And then he would say, oh, remember the time he was telling me, Maggie Thatcher took him in and says, right, Dick, how do we deal with this? Mm-hmm. He'll say, well, Prime Minister, we can silently drill through the, the roof and drop wee stun bombs in and we would just, everybody would be knocked out and we'd be able to and pick off the hostages and the, the bad ones easily. Mm-hmm. But, and nobody would be killed. And Maggie Thatcher said, no. It's not much of a statement to the world that as a, a plan B, well, Prime Minister, we can jump off the roof, go all guns blazing, in through the doors, in through the windies, and make a big noise. But I can't guarantee how many hostages we'll, yeah. we'll, we'll save. And she went, oh, so, Dick, we can, we can silently do it. Nobody knows what we've done. And we take all the, now we get all the bad ones, mm-hmm. or... We can make a big statement, jumping off the roof, in through the windows, and I prefer your plan B, Dick. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm like, I don't care if that's true. He, he's telling me a brilliant story, and mm-hmm. and it's, there's probably some truth in it. There's probably some truth in it, yeah. because we all know how that did end. But uh-huh. it's just, I mean, he's trying to leave me with guys. How am I meant to know the head of the SES? That's incredible. I suppose if you're in that position where you know all these people normally, you probably just expect everybody else to, to know them the same way that you do. <laughs> Maybe the people he's mingling with, I exactly do know them. But, but I'm just, and it was all like that. He was going through all these names, a chairman he was dealing with at Liverpool. He mentioned, oh, I remember I was dealing with Hearts, and you know Wallace Mercer? No, I, I thought brilliant because I actually knew who Wallace Mercer, I don't know Wallace Mercer, obviously I didn't yeah. know him. But I thought, well, one last, I actually know a name he's talking about. Mm-hmm. But just what a man for a, a zest for life when he could easily put his feet up and enjoy all his hard work mm-hmm. at that point. No, it's incredible. I'm going to have a look at that myself because you've, you've got my curiosity now. Look at that picture. David Holmes, Graham Soonis, when he just signed, and the other guy, another guy was Freddie Fletcher. Right. No, I definitely will. Um, Sorry, Gary, can I tell you? Can I can I tell you who my inspirations are? Of course you can. This is I've just something's came to me. Mm-hmm. Do you know that I, I, nowadays, as you know, but especially charities are really, really struggling, mm-hmm. really struggling, really struggling because they can't get doing their usual fundraising dinners, gala balls, mm-hmm. coffee days, whatever. But I think there's two sides to charity. There's the doers and there's the givers, mm-hmm. and we. Me, Megatech, we're givers. Mm-hmm. That's easy. All you give is what you can afford to give. But see the people that inspire me. See the doers. See boys like I mentioned, Des McCune. Des, mommy, has over the years for Macmillan has raised probably touching one and a half million pounds. Wow. Now, he's a doer. Mm-hmm. And there's, his, there's a lot of people associated with him who help that. Girls like, I don't know if you know Libby Emerson. Yeah, Libby, back on side. Back on side. Mm-hmm. Now, that, that girl, we've done quite a bit with Libby now. As I said, we, we gave. Giving's easy. Mm-hmm. But what Libby does and what her team do, in fact, Andy Robertson recognised as well because Andy made a generous donation to them as well mm-hmm. earlier this year. People at Libby and the work she does, and that's not for any public thanks that's because it matters to her mm-hmm. and she cares about it yeah who else am I going uh, there's millions of them mm-hmm. Callum's Cabin I don't know if you've heard of this one yeah 
Caroline and Duncan Spears from Callum's Cabin, we do a lot with them. I wouldn't say we just give, we do other stuff with them. Brilliant charity. Mm-hmm. So, see, these people, they inspire me. Yeah. It's Libby, Caroline, Des. You meet them, if you meet them anytime, they're full of life. Yeah. Yeah, they're, they're knocking their pan in, climbing mountains, doing kilt walks, to raise money. And the big, every penny is appreciated. Mm-hmm. Every penny. And that's that's the people that inspire me. That makes it. See, if you, if you make a pound and you can give a wee bit of that pound to help benefit somebody else, mm-hmm. then brilliant. But it's the people that do the work. The doers, the doers, they inspire me. Yeah. And that's the people I love. Mm-hmm. And that probably aptly timed as well because I had a message this morning from John, who runs the K9 Way. Um, and what he had said was, didn't have a question, but he's like, please pass on a massive thank you to, to George for the generous donation towards his Christmas appeal. Now, I've spoke to John over the last couple of weeks about this, and he was over the moon, like, to the, the, the difference that you made towards that. And that's obviously had a massive impact on his Christmas appeal as well. So I think, you, you, obviously, credit to yourself for that as well. Whether you're a doer or a giver, everybody plays a part. Exactly, we're saying way back earlier on about everybody's a, a cog in the chain or whatever. Mm-hmm. But again, I only gave our company only gave because we forty. Yeah, it's and it, it did make a massive impression in John. But mm-hmm. so so does the pound donation for the wee boy that sold yeah. his old toy or something. Now these are I mean goosebumps saying this here, mm-hmm. but it's it's the ones people can only give what they can give. Yeah, but it's the John's. That's a guy, he's got his own business. Mm-hmm. He's, by the way, I loved listening to that story. Yeah, his, incredible. In, anybody that serves our country is right away up there in my estimations anyway. Mm-hmm. That, so, listen to that and what he done with the, in the army with all the dogs. That, right away, he's right away up there. But listen to what he's doing and his personal involvement in trying to better kids and kids' futures in the west of Scotland. It touches you. Mm-hmm. It t- and I must admit, Gary, this is where you must take some credit as well. I've taught everybody playing their part. If I hadn't listened to his podcast on your station, if you want to call it, mm-hmm. I would never have known about that. Yeah. So this is where we all play our part now. You've played your part, we bring this together, if you want to say that. But mm-hmm. John is the doer. Yeah. He's out there. Now, we've made him a donation, which was his target. But right away, what does he do? That was his old target. He's got a new target. Yeah. So he doesn't just sit there going, oh, I've reached my target. No, he's out there wanting to... And by the way, see when he reaches his new target, he'll set another one. Yeah, no doubt. He'll set another one, and I'll bet he achieves that as well. Mm-hmm. And no, I'm I'm grateful to for him thanking us, but we only give... In fact, just giving page did not exist. By the way, go and find it anyway. Canine way, uh, just giving. I'm sure you'll find it somewhere in there, but... If that page did not exist and John physically didn't do all the work he's doing, we wouldn't have been able to give anything. Yeah, exactly. And by the, and I, so, no, the doers, the doers are the ones that inspire me. Mm-hmm. I absolutely love that. I had I've got another question from Paul Bain. He, he'd fired a few over, to be fair. He was all over this Bain this morning. Bain is good. Bain um, is good. Bain is good. I've been trying to get him on for the last three, four weeks, but he's just blatantly kidding on his shy. Um... What he's asked was, if you could change anything from when you started, what would it be? 
if I could change anything. Uh, nothing. Nothing. Mm-hmm. I, and it's really much the same in, in, in my life. I wouldn't change anything. Again, I don't know if this is advice or what I've learned in life, Gary, is you, you never regret the things you do. I think you regret the things you don't do. Mm-hmm. The guys, Paul Bain, uh, the other boys I've spoken to, the, the Fat PT, all these guys, are, they've taken the plunge. Mm-hmm. They've taken the plunge and they've went and set. Sometimes they've been kind of forced into it because they've been working and it's been too much to do both, but they've taken the plunge. And none of them would regret it. If you spoke to some other people who might be listening in who didn't take the plunge, mm-hmm. they might regret not taking the plunge. So do I regret anything? I regret... <laughs> I regret going for a bite to eat with being here last week. <laughs> the consequences of that. By the social distancing, where there's not a drink in the restaurant. But, aye, some things I regret. Mixed air, I regret a few things and I've got a sore head. <laughs> but no, no... No regrets. And by the way, it's probably a, why is Paul not coming on? Maybe a bit why other people are a bit reticent to come on just now, Gary. It's, it's a difficult time. Yeah. Now, yeah. If, you bring some, if you bring somebody on here who's coming, they might not be doing too well. Mm-hmm. They might know that we're in a position where they really want to talk till we see what happens. Yeah, of but course. conversely, if you bring somebody on here whose business is flourishing, they might not want to come on and say, oh, we're doing well while other people are struggling. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a difficult time. And yeah. we're fortunate. We're talking about the last 10 years. The last six months, eight months have also had an impact on us as well, mm-hmm. as it has with everybody. But it's a difficult time. You don't want to come on shouting, we're doing great yeah. when other people are struggling. At the same time, you don't want to come on and say, oh, we're really struggling because that might not represent how your company's been doing the last three, four, five years. So it's, it's a difficult time. Yes, and it is, you're, you're right, it is a balancing act because you you want people to, to listen in and relate to it as well and obviously that you don't want the, the polar opposite of somebody who's absolutely smashing it, whereas it's awkward for them to talk about it as well because it's not the position everybody sees themselves in just now. I know, I know, and who knows what's going to happen the next few months, the next year, who knows. But all I would say as well is, what I said is, always willing to pass advice on. Mm-hmm. We've got... Not everybody's got my phone number. and But we've got, by the way, we're even getting modern technology. We've even got an Instagram page now. Mm-hmm. If anybody wants anything, we've got websites, all the usual stuff. We've got the Twitter thing, we just from my Twitter. Yeah. But anybody wants to contact me, ask anything, or anybody wants help with anything, we're not a bottomless pit. We mm-hmm. can't help every charity going. Yeah. But at the same time, we might be able to put you in the right direction of somebody who can help some other way. So please... Anybody needs anything, don't hesitate to contact us. There's social media routes nowadays that anybody can contact anybody. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And I think that's good of you to do that. Um, another thing Paul had asked now, this might be an inside thing, so I'm just going to read it and see if it makes any sense to you. Um, he said, T- ask him to tell us a story when he took Gary to a game before Gary went on holiday. <laughs> <laughs> Aye, aye, that's too long a story, that one. I probably can't even get there. But uh, Gary's talking about it's Gary Gibb. Gary Gibb's a manual director of a company called Miller Fabrications. Mm-hmm. Jamie, a guy. Jamie, a guy. And by the way, now you're getting tears in my eyes. Give me two minutes. Mm-hmm. 
Craig Gary is a sound, he's your usual rough, tough guy who's worked in construction all his life. Mm-hmm. He he just lost his mother two weeks ago to COVID. Right. This was a woman who, another mate of mine, Luciano, Luciano's got L and L's Italiano mm-hmm. and over Newton Mayors. He's like him and Leo are teammates. I mean, they were struggling through COVID when it with COVID when they everything opened up again in July. All of, all of us, us, us and all our mates had a wee night in there mm-hmm. as best we could to do a turn for your mate in his restaurant. Yeah. Gary was there, Gary Gibb was there with, with Lynn, his wife and his mother and his daughters and their boyfriends. And we had a wee night and, we're, and we, we, we'd done the best we could complying with all the rules mm-hmm. and his mum's a life and soul at party. Now this is a woman who brought up boys and been through everything again all her life and the deadly covid it actually hit his whole family mm-hmm. a month ago, and his mum passed away. So it's you never get a more sound guy, and yeah. I hope he's all right. I hope he's all right. He's a great, great mate. But mm-hmm. the story, well, it is really is too long. But it's, it's we went to horse racing doing the tell me, tell me doing and I'm on the horse racing South England. The, the Derby's held there. God, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not anyway, the most clued up about horse racing. It was actually the day before the derby, so we're doing there at that. Gary was going home the next day. Right. Ended up, me and him sharing a bed. Gary got disoriented. He went out the day of the toilet, out in the, out in the corridor. Went, got locked out. Went down to reception to... He was bollocked for some reason. <laughs> went down to reception to get a, back into the room. I had eight rooms that night. I had eight rooms for the guys that were staying. Right. So he ended up going into somebody's room and the guy was screaming and it wasn't in my room. <laughs> and to this day, we still don't know who's room. Now, you're not, anybody who knows Gary Gibb, he's a big, big boy. Uh, the, the, the sight of him standing naked in your room at five o'clock in the morning saying, it's all right, it's me, George, move over. <laughs> the guy, whoever's room he walked into, must have shut herself. And I still don't know who it is. To this day, Nobody's admitted to whom we walked into. So, by the way, these are the guys that are running companies. <laughs> these, are, these are the guys that are running companies. But, uh, no, Gary, a great, great mate of mine. Muller Fabrications, brilliant guy. Mm-hmm. And I say, gutted for him now because I was going through. Yeah, no, definitely. Condolences as well. It's, 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 it's not a great time for, for people just now. I think you touched on as no, well. No, I know. I know. I know. And then we move on to your, your boy Logan. So he had sent in a question uh, this morning and what, he, what he's asked was, what would you prefer, a team full of Jimmy Thompsons or a team full of Stevie Marlins? <laughs> <laughs> Logan's a wee tube, aren't he? Logan and Martin, man. My, my, it's all like everybody, my, my two boys are complete opposites. Uh, team, team full of Jimmy Thompsons or a team full of... I would... A team full of Stevie Marlins for a fight and a team full of Jimmy <laughs> Thompson's for a night out. For a night out. <laughs> there you go. They two, they two are two of my best mates. They're two sound boys. Anybody that knows them. Big Jimmy runs his own business. Stevie works with us. Stevie mm-hmm. works with me. He's been my mate through everything for the last 30 odd years. Mm-hmm. And nah, never separate the two of them. The, the three of us are great mates as well. Yeah. And Big Jimmy played with the Queen of South. He played with uh, a broth. He played with Stevie Clyde before that. He's a brilliant guy. So, and 
So no, I would have a team. I would have a team full of Stevie Marlon and Jimmy Thompson. That's what I would have. Yeah, just combine it. Team full of him. <laughs> Stevie's a striker. Jimmy's a defender. Jimmy's the boy who scored the Junior South against Rangers in the Cup final. Was it four three or three two? Oh, the the Manchester. That was yeah. it. That was it. Yeah. Was big Jimmy scored against him. You'll not recognise. I think you'd hear that one, but that's big Jimmy. He scored against Rangers in that one, and my boys were at it. One of them had the Rangers top one, one of them between the South top one. <laughs> and see on the um, the thing that, that I was kind of curious about, and I was doing a wee bit of digging because I knew I was I was speaking to you, and I know obviously you you your playing career. And you had a, a kind of brief management spell at, at Queen of the South as well. Was that ever Aye. something that you wanted to to do further, or was it just at that time it was just something that you, you kind of stepped in and done? I see a bit what we're saying about Nelson business. Mm-hmm. Opportunities present themselves. You don't plan them; they present themselves. Yeah. I was a captain at Queen of the South. I was twenty nine, and the manager at the time was a guy called Ryan Alexander. And through a sticky stage, a chairman was a guy called Norman Blunt. Norman Blunt is a pure gentleman. Mm-hmm. And we were at training one night, and he came in and said, George, we've, we've had to sack Rowan. Mm-hmm. He said, would you come in and speak to the directors? This is the training you're in Dumfries. Yeah. So I went to see him, and out of the blow, he said, would you mind taking the team on Saturday? He says, you and the senior members of the squad. And I said, well, chairman, no. And he went, well, what do you mean, no? I says, well, you can't pick a team with a committee. I said, if I was to ask each of you directors who will play on Saturday, you'll all pick a different team. Mm-hmm. I said, so, he went, well, well, what, what would you suggest? Said, well, I'll do it with Ken Eady. Ken Eady, who I played with all those years ago at Clyde was Kenny must have been about five, six years older than me. I said, I'll do it with Kenny. We'll do it for Saturday. Mm-hmm. And he said, that's good. It gives us a bit of time to get a manager in place. Yeah. So, we done it on Saturday and we won. So he came as a game and says, can you do it next Saturday? Mm-hmm. All right. That was a bit more time. So we've done it again. And that went on. That went on to the end of the season. Then we've done it for another season. But Gary, this is where you learn. And this is probably a management technique. Mm-hmm. And there's a, at the time, I had, this, I had this theory that nobody in a team is more important than anybody else. So, see, when we took over at the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. everybody, everybody was getting the same wage. See if you're a young boy coming to the team. Once you'd played 20 games, you're the same. You're the same wage as me, Stevie Marlin, Tommy Bryce, and anybody that played hundreds of games. Mm-hmm. You're the same wage, and the way we worked, it was a basic wage, more money for playing, and more money if you won. It was all incentive based. Mm-hmm. Now, I have guys in there coming in. Now, bear in mind, these were a lot. A lot of guys that take over teams. Your mates one minute and the boss, the boss. I was 29, yeah. youngest manager in Britain at the time. And I thought I knew it all, you know, far from it. So I've, I've, got, this, you know, I've got the guys in saying, Big Jimmy Thompson, I want to sign you. I'm going to give you this, this. And he's laughing at me. He's like, You see, I said, George, I'm going to your boss and they're giving me 10 times that. Mm-hmm. I said, I know, but I like you. You're one of my favourites. Mm-hmm. He was still going, yeah. Derek Townsley. Big Degs he played was at the time. He went away, I think he said a while ago for a grand a week or something. Right. A way back then, that was a lot of money. Yeah. We're probably talking to Curl on maybe seven, ten grand now. Mm-hmm. He was going out a week. He was going anyway. So we had these guys playing and they were all getting the same wage. Everybody was in the same wage. And at that time, we sold two boys. We sold a boy called Jamie McAllister mm-hmm. and another boy called 
David Lilly to Aberdeen. Mm-hmm. Now, Jamie, went, both of them wanted great careers, but what we done, this is what we done with the guys at the time, was we didn't give them a signing on, but what we told them, I'm revealing information here, but it doesn't matter. What we, what we told them was, if anybody signs you, we will give you 12.5% of the transfer fee. Right. They were the days when clubs still paid transfers. Mm-hmm. So Aberdeen came in for them. Paul Hager, he was the manager of Aberdeen, they came in for Jamie. I mean, up, and Stuart Milne was the chairman. Now, this is where a lot of clubs got a lot of bad press, mm-hmm. Gary, but we went up and we told Aberdeen, look, the boys don't get any sign on for us, but we promised them Aberdeen were paying 100 grand for Jamie. Mm-hmm. But what they done is they gave Queen of the South £112,500. Right. So effectively they went, Queen of the South, there's your hundred grand, Jamie, there's your twelve and a half grand. Mm-hmm. So they were great. And that's how we done it. But we through that season and people who say, No, if you've got a striker, if you've got Ronaldo on your team, you've got to pay him more mm-hmm. than the wee journey guy in the middle that does all the hard work because he can win a game for you. And that so I think we realised that. That was the season. We see how good people's memories are here. That was the season where the Hamilton players went and strike and didn't play. Ah, oh, right, yeah. So we, we with my, my my management theory, everybody gets paid the same, we're bottom of the league. We were 12 points behind Hamilton. Right. And it came out, and for Hamilton players, no playing, they get fined or they get penalised 15 points. So it meant... They could put three points below us, but who did they still have to play? <laughs> Queen of the South. <laughs> Queen of the South. I tell you, it was a good way out. So they played us, and we we managed to draw with them. We drew with them. I actually think I scored. I don't know score a lot of goals, but mm-hmm. I scored that day. So we managed to stay up. By hook or by crook or by, by strike, we stayed up. And that end of that season, they brought in a guy called John Conway as a manager. Mm-hmm. And at that time... That's where I left to go and join our growth, just as a player. Yeah. Just as a player. And what I realised, when I'm back playing, I'm still only 31 mm-hmm. when I'm back playing just as a player. I played at Broth for a couple of seasons. I went down to Stirling Albion to play with Murray. You know, mm-hmm. with Alan Moore? Aye. With Murray and Mark McNally was his assistant. I'm down there and played. And I tell you, Gary, see, after managing mm-hmm. and seeing all the nonsense that goes on in my. Coaching is a very, very small part of managing. And see when I went back to just playing, turning up to training, turning up for a game, I loved it. The last five, six years of my career were the best mm-hmm. because I loved it. There was, I was just a player. Yeah. And it was the best part. Managers, anybody that's a part-time manager, not such a thing. Dick Campbell and now, Dick Campbell, a great me, I mean, we sponsor our growth. Mm-hmm. It's, it's your bapping something, but a great club, great club. We sponsor them, and Dick is a mate, and the he's his own business. Mm-hmm. Him and Pink, his brother, have got their own business, and he's meant to be the part-time manager of growth. No such a thing. It's a full-time job that you fit your full-time job around about. Yeah, that's what it is. Never so, stops. No, it's, it's honestly and anybody that does it, especially the guys in the lower leagues mm-hmm. who. Have got no money, terrible facilities. Honestly, don't ever look at them thinking they're lucky. Mm-hmm. Those guys work their butts off. And if you look at minimum wage, no chance. These guys, for the hours they work, we're lucky to get a pound an hour. Mm. Yeah. Honestly, take your hat off to them. Would you ever go back to it? 
No, 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 no. It was a great insight. Mm-hmm. I mean, at the time, I'm dealing with managers at clubs I was dealing with. Were, uh, were there? Sandy Clark, Paul Sturrock, Jim Leishman, mm-hmm. uh, Bobby Williamson was a co-manager at the time. I'm dealing with them to get loan players and everything. And I'm, I'm, I was wee George, a 29 year old guy for Queen of the South. Mm-hmm. I'm talking to Jim Leishman, who's won, I don't know, he's won dozens of championships. Yeah. About arranging a friendly and all that, and I, I love that. I love that. I love mingling with that, and I love finding out more of what goes on in it mm-hmm. when I go back. No, no, yeah. no, no, no chance. My, my, when, I, when I finished playing, playing, I actually done work with the Sun mm-hmm. newspaper. Yeah, which was great. I would go and so rather than going to football on a Saturday, I went to cover games. Mm-hmm. Other guys like Big Ali. Ali Graham and all that. These guys all do it as well, mm-hmm. and it's brilliant. It keeps you involved with all the nonsense that goes with managing or coaching. And Gary, I loved that. Yeah. So I was about 37 at the time for a good few years. I'd done it, set the business up, and I was still doing it, but the business became too much. But I'm dealing with Ian King at the Sun and Roger Hanna. Roger's mm-hmm. still there now, and Roger runs at King. He's over in Canada. Yeah. But you're dealing with these guys, and you're loving it. I'm out talking to people. And me interviewing them. I'm not a journalist. There's real journalists out there like Kenny McDonald and Tony Haggerty, who was a bit at the time. These guys are all real journalists. That's what they've studied. They, you know what I mean? And I'm the wee guy that played football, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. asking questions. But what do you mean? That, I love that. I had a guy, Bill Wakey, with me, I mean, Bill. Yeah. And with the, with the son, Gary, would, I say, what, what do we, how do you do it? And by the way, believe it or not, there's a structure. You've got a structure to this podcast. There's a structure to anybody studying and they do their thesis, whatever. There's a structure to it. Mm-hmm. Even the sun has a structure to it. Now, one of the times, my first ever game, they believe it or not, the structure to the sun, at the time, you had the Sunday Mail and the News of the World. So those two papers, Gary, would do the match report. Mm-hmm. So the game would happen on Saturday, come a Sunday, they'd report that or Brian Cross it to Tony and Tony headed into the far corner. That's what they would do. So come the Monday, the Daily Record and the Sun, they didn't want another match report. They wanted a wee, a wee story that went with one of the players or something that tell me about the guy that shook his hands because he just had a new baby or he put a dummy tit in his mouth and all that. Yeah. A wee story. So the first game I went to, believe it or not, was still an album against Forza. So I'd go up early. Southern Abbey manager was Murray, Alan Moore, who I'd played with. Mm-hmm. So I'd go up early, walk around the pitch, and Ray Farningham at that time was the manager of Forfa. I knew Ray just was playing against him, but I didn't know him, so I'm just, how you doing, Ray, blah, blah, blah. And I was walking around the pitch talking to Murray, and he says to me, we're going to win today. By the way, this is what he'll probably know of me for telling me this again. <laughs> he says to me, we're going to win today. I went, mean, oh, that's great, that you're confident. He went, no, 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 we're going to win the day. Mm-hmm. I says, well, how are you so sure? He says, me and Kim had a session this morning. Kim's his wife, by mm-hmm. the way. He says, we had a session this morning. He said, every time we have a session before the game, the boys always win. <laughs> Gary, right away, I'm thinking, I hope you win, because I've got my story. <laughs> right? So they did, I think they won 4-2 or 4-1 that day still. Mm-hmm. After the game, the real journalists... The real John Crane or all these guys are 
interviewing the managers and what do you think about that? Was that a penalty? Was that offside? What about that red card? And I'm like, I'm not interested in any of that. So when all finished, I says to me, Moore, I says, Moore, can I write, can I write about you and Kim? And he says, how are you going to do that? I says, no, I'll, I'll draft it if you say it's all right. He says, mm-hmm. hey, write what you want. So I'm telling you about the, the Suns formats, both grab the attention, expand on it, and then tell a wee bit about the game. Mm-hmm. So the Suns intro on the Monday morning was still an Albion manager, Alan Moore, knew his team would romp at home against Forfar because he'd spent all morning romping at home <laughs> with White Kim. Honestly, <laughs> Gary, it's on. We Murray says every time you have a session, during the morning again, the boys always win. Sure enough, they've not won 4 2. That was my first ever story. I loved it. And I'm like, oh, shit, what's, what's Kim going to say? What's Murray going to say? <laughs> Murray phoned me up. Oh, he's, he was pissing himself. He was killing himself laughing. And I'm like, what about, what about Kim? He says, oh, she's raging. He says, but I just taste her. It's Josie's first story. I have to give him a good story. <laughs> you know what I mean? That, that's the thing. Again, I was getting paid to do that. Go and talk to your mates, write a wee story. And I, I, that's another, I love doing that. Mm-hmm. I love doing that. Makes for life. Guys in there with Roger Hanna, Robert Greve, all the guys are in there. Yeah. Sound boys. Sound boys. I love that. I love that headline. <laughs> there you go. Romping oh, at home. Brilliant. Romping at home. <laughs> Amazing. Um, the the last, the last question I've got, and it's the same one that I ask everybody that comes on obviously the whole point of doing this is to get different journeys out there and how people are in the position they're in now and the the, the work that goes into it and if there's anybody that you know that you think would be good to come on and, and share their own stories oh dozens there but uh, probably two i probably mentioned them slightly mind luciano mm-hmm. luciano Sounds very exotic and Italiano and all that. He's like this with Kirky or Bishop Briggs or something, Luciano. <laughs> but he's got Eleanor Italiano Ration over in Newton Mearns. Mm-hmm. You ask all the boys that like Paul Bain and all that, these guys, it's, it's like a wee hidden gem. Mm-hmm. Do you know that way? It's like it, you're glad it's your wee secret. Yeah. But but the more people you tell, it will not be a secret. Mm-hmm. And so, Luciano, because it's, it's that is certainly the highs and lows. His restaurant recently, like any restaurant, will be full of lows. Mm-hmm. And but it's a it's a gemier place, yeah. and it's it's not a, it's, it's how he makes that work. Mm-hmm. Luciano would be a brilliant one. Luciano okay. would be a brilliant one. Another one, prisons mean days, big Jimmy. All these guys have says, but another one is Frank Simmons. I got a guy called Neil McCallum. Mm-hmm. Neil McCallum again, made a mind for years. Neil runs. A construction company, mm-hmm. but it's not just they do all the streetscapes. Streetscapes are years ago. I worked with my company, we done up Buchanan Street mm-hmm. when they done all the granite paving and the fancy benches. Not well, Neil's company, Renton, have actually just finished Sucky Hall Street, right? So he's the guy that's been causing all the disruption. <laughs> the fire to fear that the fire at the art school done a wee bit of cause a wee bit of disruption, mm-hmm. but Neil's company were working Sucky Hall Street before, during and after the fire. Right. So and I think he's working up at Site Hill on another major project in Glasgow. So Neil is a great one. Again it's highs and lows and 
how he ended up with his company, just, just all the things you're talking about, Gary. Mm-hmm. No, I think the two of them sound really good. And again, it's two different sectors. Completely different. Just yeah. the way everybody you've been doing, your mm-hmm. tattoo guy, all the way through it. It's a great range you've got. Mm-hmm. That's why I love listening to them. Mm-hmm. No, I love that. And I will, I'll get in touch with the both of them. George, I can't believe that we've done over an hour. That, that is genuinely flown in, honestly. Oh, brilliant. I love it, by the way. It's amazing. You, you're just, you just roll a wee grenade in there and you're obviously tweet something that reminds me of things. But yeah. it's... I've enjoyed it. I've enjoyed remembering these things, but mm-hmm. you don't know. No, I've it's been brilliant. Them. It's been amazing. And I think even just the the, the bits there that you've given that, that you got for other people, it'll prompt right. it'll prompt me to go away and look into these things. And I know it'll prompt listeners to go and do the same. And I think it's that whole, giving the overall picture of our company and not just everything's brilliant. And I think obviously your honesty has been brilliant on that side of things as well. Good, good. No, I say it as... There's no any use having all this experience and advice if you're not willing to share it. And that's more than happy. Anybody needs you, give us a shout. Mm-hmm. Give us a shout. Give you a shout. Yeah. Give Paul Bain a shout. Give John at K9 a shout. Help them out with these boys. That, the doers, the guys that are doing all the work with the charities, help them out. Give what you can give. Mm-hmm. And it's been brilliant, Jaws. And I absolutely know you're a busy man, so I appreciate you giving up an hour of your day. Thank you. Um, no, enjoy that. Thanks a lot. No, Thanks, no, I appreciate it. I will speak to you soon, mate.